the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. Welcome to the show. This is another episode of The Boys of Tech. This one is episode number 345 for the week commencing Monday the 17th of August 2015. I'm Edwin Herman. Nice to have you along. I'm also joined by my co-host, Brett King. Howdy. Brett, how are you this morning? I am good. <laughs> good good's a good thing. Wellington on our plate has started. Oh, have you been? Uh, it's you've the been best time to be in Wellington and eating. Ah, well, apparently, <laughs> <laughs> you've got to take advantage of something in Wellington on a plate, Ed. All right, well, you, they you even went... have burgers. Wellington Burger Competition is going on as well, and they've done and uh, started a new one this year. Wellington cocktails. Oh, okay. That, um, that would be more appealing to me. Mm, so you had a very nice cocktail last night. Yeah, I was just going to say you had. I I knew you had a meal last night. Did you have a cocktail as well? I did. I had the Wellington Half Lake cocktail. And at w- what what's in it? Uh it was. Well, it was more a cocktail and a dessert. It was a combination thing. Um, the cocktail had a wine and a spirit and an ale that were mixed together in this cocktail. It was quite nice, uh, and it was paired with a little, a little open brandy snap. So kind of the brandy snap shell, except it was open and more taco like, mm-hmm. and it was full of a white chocolate mousse with chocolate pieces in it, a dark chocolate mousse, and crumbled raspberry over top of it. It was divine. Mm, that does sound good. And what? Then, oh, you also had one of the Wellington on a plate meals as well. Is that right? Uh, last night, not the meal. Um, oh, okay. I just had a Sunday roast because that's what I do on a Sunday. But I did have a Wellington on a plate lunch <laughs> that day. Which was delicious. And I had Wellington on a plate burger the day before that, and another Wellington on a plate lunch on that day as well. All Wellington on a plate. <laughs> well, you know, Brett, you see, you kind of have to because you eat out pretty much for every meal. So you'd soon run out, run out of options. So when Wellington on a plate comes on, you have to go for that. Mm. Whereas me, I can go to KFC and I haven't been, I, I won't have been there for like seven months. <laughs> but it's it not just, just like about new. going to have something that you haven't had before. It is the style, the presentation, the types of flavors. Everywhere puts a little more, you know, everywhere does, you know, all the restaurants in Wellington do amazing food, but they do something interesting. They go for something a little different or something very genre-y in their um Wellington on a plate spreads. So, yeah. And they just do really good deals. 
So the price is all right, you're saying? As yeah, well? yeah. You'll you'll get like, you know, two choices for a meal and it will cost you generally only a little bit more than what a regular main would cost in a lot of places. So, Oh, okay. And yeah. often they'll come with a drink. <laughs> you're so, making it's, me- so it's good value as well as being gastronomically great. <laughs> you're making me hungry already. <laughs> Should right, definitely try it, Ed. Uh, well, yeah. If you're in Wellington, Wellington on a plate, thing to do. Even if it's just for lunch. Everybody's doing lunch too. Hmm. I'm, I'll have my sandwiches packed from home. Um, let's do some tech then. How about that? Uh, if we have to. <laughs> well, uh, what have we got uh, prepared for this week? Oh, yes. Now, uh, you know, I think a couple of times on this show, we talked about software that predicts the quality of or how well a song will do, how well a piece of music or a tune will make it in terms of being popular and being liked by others and <laughs> yep. so we've come across this before haven't we mm. but this time it's a story about software that does the same but for digital photos well it, it doesn't say, really say that the photo will be popular okay but it's it rates, just, it it rates you, the photo yeah, it, it will give you suggestions as to how you could improve the composition of the photo by comparing the photo to a whole heap of exemplar compositional images. But some would say photography, being an art, is very much in the eye it of is. the... It is entirely in the eye of the beholder. Mm. And what one person thinks is compositionally perfect by the book, you know, by the book compositionally, somebody else will think is too rigid or too structured or not not fluid enough, not dynamic. There's no life in this thing. So it is entirely personal as to whether or not uh, an image is compositionally specific uh, or, you know, compositionally nice for you. And that's, you know, the, the people who've created this piece of software have have, you know, Taken that into account, this is not something which will correct you or, or teach you what's best. It will offer you suggestions as to what is or is not within the realm of being generally compositionally good. <laughs> really, it's, you know, it's to help people who are new into photography to learn some of the basics of photography. So, you and know, once you've just, got the basics uh, down, you know, that's when you can start to experiment and develop yeah, your style. Yeah. But you know what I'd like to do with this? It's just a bit like the, the music equivalent, if, if, if I can use that term, is run, run some professional photography, particularly photos that perhaps have won awards or mm-hmm. won a place in a competition, and run, it, and run those through the algorithm and then run some amateur snaps through and just see whether it does tend to favor <laughs> well by looking at the the sort of basis that they've used to you know generate the algorithm the, the the baseline stuff they've used you'll probably find that all of the really award-winning photographs are probably already known and marked as high in the you know in the aesthetics realm for this particular piece of software so, what so they'll probably all get then? it as being what, high so what metrics does this, does this software use well it looks at shapes textures colors and all of the different aspects in in that way that um are part of what 
you know, what's called composition. And so it uses all of those and it's based, the algorithm was created by manually labeling hundreds of images and feeding and it, them into it right, to so develop it compares, this algorithm. Of, so it compares this the inputs. This, you know, this is a crap picture. This is a great picture. This is a crap picture. This is a great picture. And, you know, feeding those in and being a little more structured than that, obviously, they have more defined tags to tag each of the photos that were fed into the into the system to develop the algorithm for detecting, you know, or what is compositionally this or what is compositionally that and you know it sounds interesting uh it is currently quite a solid piece of software designed to be installed on a server that you would link to 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 pass your photo through it to see what suggestions it came back with but the developers of it do kind of plan for it to be something that would be able to be entirely appside resident on a phone or you know a smart camera Hmm. yeah that would be good but yeah i I do see it as something that is definitely more geared towards the cell phone camera artists having the app on it to be able to just pass it through it i think professional or semi-professional people photographers those who have invested the money in a good actual camera probably won't get a huge amount of benefit from this sort of thing because they will have gone through all of the training and learning to to um, understand what is good composition, what is good lighting, color, all that sort of stuff. And they will have developed their own style or be developing the style that they want to to express in their, in their artwork. Whereas this sort of app would be more for people who are just taking photos with their cell phone camera and uh want to take better photos <laughs> okay right well just generally anyway, this, better photos yeah i i'd love to this is not see this, this is not it, something that a professional photographer would would care about really yeah no no totally no i'd, I'd love to see this in action uh and this by the way is out of penn state university all right onto the corvette that was hacked we've been talking about hacking cars over the last few episodes well this time a Corvette was hacked. Was hacked? <laughs> was hacked? It was hacked, was it? Wow. Well, actually, there's a combination of hacked and text, which is kind of what I was doing uh, in my brain just then. It was it was hacked with a text message. Mm. There's a video of it, uh, you know, of, of the demo, if you like, of someone doing this. And it's to do with the fact that the, the Corvette has a, a dongle that you can connect to it, which is, I think, for, to, for to monitoring monitor- for monitoring location speeds, metrics, basically telemetry for the the vehicle. Generally usually for a fleet, usually. Yeah, kind yeah. Of thing, Generally yeah. installed mm. on on you know enterprise vehicles, fleet vehicles. Mm. So this dongle has cellular capabilities. Aha! Uh-huh, there's the attack vector. There's the attack vector. Yeah, indeed. Exactly. And with Without a little a bit of security uh, in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, and because with a bit of uh, ingenuity. A research team from uh, UC San Diego has managed to hack the Corvette um, and by making it uh, turn on the wipers and apply the brake. Indeed, through this dongle which was there, which was purely designed to provide telemetry information to a central, you know, central repository, it also opened up all of the other systems within the vehicle to control by the dongle. You know, so, I'm glad, yeah. as I said last time, Brett, I'm glad these things are coming out in a controlled environment so yes. that as many of these bugs can be, I now, guess, I fixed before it gets into the I am glad that research teams around the world are working on these, are seeing these devices being put into place and going, I wonder if that is 
you know, is secure and then testing it and finding these errors and then letting the people who are making these things know, hey, your thing has a major security issue here. This could cause an accident. This could kill people. Fix it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And the good thing about this one is, you know, uh, unlike the Fiat Chrysler one where they knew about it 18 months in advance and didn't do anything about it, this, the makers of this particular dongle were notified of this error and they patched it pretty quickly. Oh, good. Very good. That's, that's really pleasing to, to hear. Mm. Uh, just it'd be, it's a shame Fiat Chrysler weren't as, uh, Upfront and rapid. <laughs> upfront, yeah, I guess upfront is very much the term because you know if they allegedly hung on to this for eighteen months without doing anything before it was discovered, mm-hmm. it's, uh, certainly not being upfront at all. Indeed. Now, speaking of cars, you brought to my attention a story about a new replacement battery. So there's something called an Ohm, I think, is the brand name for it. What can you explain that to me? Okay. I saw this story and I thought this was a a cool piece of tech kit since we had talked about cars last time and we were talking about cars again today. Um, It's going to be put up for crowdfunding. Uh, It's currently in a private beta, but it is a replacement for the massive heavy lead acid battery that is in most cars. And it is you know, 30 pounds old lighter. <laughs> it lasts more than twice as long. It has significantly greater operating temperatures and it doesn't have any lead, doesn't have any acid. And yeah. So is this going to be the next car battery instead of lead acid? It's entirely possible. Depends on how their crowdfunding goes, how their, um, their, you know, testing, their current testing goes, but it's definitely got potential. It's definitely got potential to, you know, be a significant improvement to the battery technology in cars uh, and the environmental impacts are, you know, but pretty who, big too. So who's um, behind lead, this the lead and um, The lead in lead acid batteries in car batteries is a significant contributor to lead pollution in the world. Well, the one thing I will say, and I'm, I'm not trying to be pessimistic here, is that let's wait for this to actually materialise. There's a lot of things that have been on crowd you know, funding websites that mm, are effectively mm. are well, this isn't even up for crowdfunding yet. This is still a you know this is still something which is in private beta. So there are a limited number of these that have been created for testing, and mm. if it is if it does you know uh, work as they predict it to work, then they plan to roll out a crowdfunding campaign. And this is um, called the Ohm battery, O H M. The Ohm, the yeah. good name for it. But yeah, the the technology in it sounds you know pretty neat. It's got super capacitors to give it the burst power needed to start car engines. It's got a array of lithium iron phosphate batteries in it to keep the supercapacitors charged, and it's got some smarts in it to you know uh, detect whether or not you've left your lights on. So yeah, that it yeah, won't drain mm. itself when it gets when it starts to get low, it'll you know it'll turn itself off. Yeah, look, see, that's a good feature, but in my opinion, that's something that belongs in the car. I think it is great in the battery. <laughs> if you can build it into the battery now, and it can migrate itself to the car later, that's fine. 
Well, some cars already have that feature, so yeah, I, I guess yeah. We're, but within yeah. having it within the battery as well means the battery itself can save itself. Yeah, that's true, and I, I guess in that way it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I and guess. you've got to remember all of the other applications that car batteries have that car batteries are used for. They're used in all kinds of things, and if this technology yeah, worked, then you could it could find its way into marine batteries. It could find its way into UPS batteries. All of these things, which currently are massive lead-acid batteries. Now, I like the way that lithium iron phosphate spells life. You know, yeah. life po. <laughs> life I, I, I remember back in chemistry class, and I think, in fact, we went to school to, together, Brett, and, so, and I think it was with you that we once asked our chemistry teacher, is there such a compound that has calcium, silicon, and oxygen in it? And he sort of hummed it hard and he thought about it and he said- Calcium, silicon, yeah, oxide. <laughs> They could they could well be, and yeah, exactly. That there is, and the reason we asked this, of course, is because it was a bit of fun for us to realise that that would spell Casio uh, as per the you know the calculator, the Indeed. watches, you know, the company, <laughs> and so and there is now you know there is a a compound whose formula is C A S I O Casio. And uh, I thought that's, that's kind of cool. Chemistry it, nerds. <laughs> chemistry humor. I, actually, I quite like chemistry humor. It's one well, of my it is. favorite. It's, it's fun. Favorite geek humor. Yeah. <laughs> chemistry humor is very good for uh, word-based humor. Physics humor is cool as well. Yeah. Usually yeah. for more dynamic types of humor. Hmm. Biology. Well, you know, is there it's generally fun? toilet humor. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, is there much bio-humor? It's digestive system humor. (laughs) Okay. Well, before we go there, let's- reproductive system humor. Well, let's- Okay. In that case, let's move on to our uh, final story then. And that is that Google is now owned by a company called Alphabet. What does this mean? Have they sold out? Wait. You mean the BMW subsidiary that provides <laughs> services to other sectors uh, no. has bought out Google? How the, <laughs> that's how, that's how is that not a major thing? Exactly, that's how rumors start, right? So, uh, what's the what's the real story behind all this? Well, Page and Brin decided to focus on the bigger picture. They would create a new holding company called Alphabet, and Google is one. It's the biggest as well, by far, but more importantly, it's one of several companies that are wholly owned subsidiaries of the holding company called Alphabet. Yeah. Basically, they saw Google spreading itself all over the place and everything coming under the Google umbrella, and they wanted to refine the Google brand back to being about search, internet, um, YouTube, all of the things, you know, those internet-related things. And they wanted all of the other random things which were currently under Google, like Google X Labs, their, uh, you know, life extension place. I can't remember what it's called. Stuff with C. Calico, was it? Oh, uh, yeah, it might be that. Like, yeah, something like that. I I some, something like that. Can't remember. Yeah, that uh, the um, their thermostat thing. What were they? What's that one called? Uh, we talked about it ages ago. Nest. Not Nest. Is Nest. It? Yeah. It is yeah. Nest, uh, they're different Google Ventures, Google Capital, um, all of those what about sorts the car? of things. The car. Yeah, yeah, those things, all of those things which were currently sitting under Google, they wanted to take those away from Google <laughs> and, you know, have those under under a, a separate umbrella and let Google so, get back to doing what Google was 
you know, for the internet stuff. So, Brett, for the benefit of our listeners, I want to explain this BMW thing. So, BMW own Alphabet.com. Indeed, they already have a company called Alphabet, have had it for ages. Yep, and it's completely separate. It's nothing to do with the Google one. No. And But, of course, the story here is, or the side story, I should say, to this, is that the the rankings for Alphabet.com have soared through the roof as people have been assuming that alphabet.com is the Google alphabet and as the story broke about yes. this restructure, they've all been, people have been going to alphabet.com. If they put a few Google ads on there, BMW would make a killing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's and hilarious. There's irony in that too, isn't there? Yep, yep, indeed. <laughs> yeah, alphabet, yeah, alpha, Google's alphabet is abc.xyz. It's like a URL that nobody will remember. <laughs> Because nobody goes to the domain .xyz. I mean, I didn't the, even know XYZ existed. Well, I, I, didn't I guess under the you know under the new rules, anything can exist, and so Google probably got XYZ created. No, no, because they don't own XYZ. Are you sure? Yeah, do it. Who is on it? Who who owns it then? Let me just do it again, and I'll tell you. Because whoever they are, they've just made a coup by getting Google to join to them. <laughs> Okay, so XYZ is operated by a company, XYZ.com Limited. (laughs) Yeah, and so they own XYZ.com. And that, well, that's the name of the company. So they applied to have it as, uh, to make a generic, they were the sole applicant, in fact, uh, to make this a generic TLD. And uh, I don't know how much it cost them, but. Uh, But they obviously got it. So they they were probably XYZ.XYZ. Or www.xyz, I don't know. Yeah, or they had a whole heap of other things. But then Google came to them and said, hey, hey, XYZ guys, we want ABC. (laughs) We'll pay you this this big chunk of money or we will give you this great deal with Google Ads or something. (laughs) Yeah, and who knows whether ABC was already registered. I assume it it would have been, but I don't know. So anyway, (laughs) the story is that uh, all all those Google... Projects, as you said, these research and whatnot that's going on have all been consolidated, well, as separate companies, but all under Alphabet and Google as we know it, the search engine, the advertising company as it is, that is one of many Alphabet companies. Yeah. There you go. Indeed. They split themselves up. They get a new CAO for Google. Who was it? Sundar Pichai? Did I pronounce that correctly? Probably not. The former head of the internet mobile product development is now CEO of Google. Sergey is president of Alphabet and Larry has become the CEO of Alphabet. But um, as always, those two guys will be keeping a close eye on everything (laughs) within Alphabet. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. (laughs) I didn't see this coming. I heard no rumors, nothing. No, no, I just kind of went... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It was stealth mode. Yep. Wow. Anyway, that's it, Brett. That was the end of episode 345. Uh, We'll end it there. Unless there's anything else you want to bring to the table? No. All right. Well, we'll sign off. Uh, Brett, want to thank you very much for co-hosting as usual. Always a pleasure, Ed. Excellent stuff. We'll do it again next time. Till then, have yourselves a fantastic next seven days. See you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.